Welcome to the second podcast episode of Bull Take Scouting. So today we're going to talk about the NFL season just around the corner, one or two days away by the time this is posted, starting off with Chiefs-Texans on Thursday night. Real fireworks to start it off, going to be a fun game, and we're looking to just preview the rookies uh, entering the league to, to get you familiar with them and the impact that they could have in their rookie seasons. So we're going to start off with the quarterbacks. So Alex, what do you think about some of how the, the top quarterbacks are going to end up playing and actually how when they will get on the field if you look at somebody like Tua Tagovailoa or uh, Justin Herbert? Yeah, I think we'll start off with Joe Burrow, the first overall pick for the Bengals. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think both of us thought uh, heading into the draft, Burrow had it all. Burrow is a, he's going to be a star starting week one. Um, I think I, I don't think the Bengals will really do too many too well this season I think you know they still have a lot of holes on that roster but yeah I think, I, I think Burrow will take the league by storm I think he's gonna be a great quarterback and probably probably will be rookie of the year let's be honest what I think is he will be rookie of the year but he's not going to have an incredible season I think he'll have a season on the level of Kyler Murray very different players but in terms of the level of the season he'll be re- very promising but his team will hold him back and I think that he'll have he'll have a kind of a not quiet, but he will not be taking the league by storm because the Bengals just aren't that level yet. He'll be he'll have a similar season to Kyler Murray, a good season, and that shows that he will be a star to come. Yeah, I agree. I remember hearing, honestly, I think it was maybe two months ago now about how people were concerned that the Bengals were holding Burrow back. Um, yeah, I heard stories about how Burrow was looking to move on to the next section of the playbook early in the early in the off season, and the Bengals coaches said, "Look, we have to slow down." The rest of our guys don't know the playbook yet. So I honestly do think that might be a little concerning that the Bengals could hold Burrow back. But I, I think, you know, he's got it all. He's got the intangibles. Um, he's got the accuracy. He's got everything to be a future star. But I do agree he's going to have the same, a similar season to Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think we're looking at a good, not great season. And that will, after that, be followed by stardom in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think where the conversation starts at quarterbacks is really with Tua Tagovailoa uh, for the Miami Dolphins. I think just today that um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the week one starter versus the Patriots. I think everyone would have saw that coming. Um, I honestly, I, I thought it would that he would be the starter just because I'm still a little concerned about Tua's health. I don't know if he's completely 100 percent yet and everything ready to go. Um, when are you thinking that two is going to take over the starting reins for the Dolphins? So I think this one is a real unknown for multiple reasons. One, one big unknown is, is his medicals, how comfortable they are with throwing him in there because the real issue is the offensive line. Even if with the selection of Austin Jackson, I think that was more of a pick for the future. He's not ready to be a solid left tackle right now. The offensive line is, is still really in shambles. And I, if I was the Dolphins, I wouldn't be comfortable placing my – the the future of my franchise who is who has a significant injury history behind a a line like that and then the other thing the other unknown is how will Fitzpatrick play we have seen so many sides of Ryan Fitzpatrick in his career and I think that if he's playing well they can afford to leave Tua on the bench and 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 preserve his his health given that this season the offensive line is not yet up to par with what it needs to be in order to protect Tua but then at the end of the day, I do think it comes down to Fitzpatrick's play. If he's not good enough, Tua's going to end up heading in. And it, if he is, then I think they can afford to wait. Because if, if, I'm, the Dolph- if, I'm, if I'm the Dolphins, I, I do wait maybe even a full year to play Tua because 
at the end of the day, the, their offensive line is very subpar. And given his injury history, it's not worth it to risk his entire career because he's a very talented player. But so even if it's maybe a little difficult to project when he'll start playing, if he does, what type of rookie year do you see him having? Well, I don't think that – I'm looking at the Dolphins' schedule right now, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, if Fitzpatrick is, you know, playing average, right, where would I see them putting into it? Because – But that, wait, that's, think- that's the issue. We rarely see an average Ryan Fitzpatrick. We see a very good Ryan Fitzpatrick or a very bad Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's be honest. Yeah, and we, we do we see a good Fitzpatrick for a few games and then it, it his play starts to drop off. Yeah. Um I I agree with you that if I were the Dolphins, the smartest thing to do would be have Tua on the bench the whole year. I don't think the team's ready for him, especially with his injury history. I just wouldn't want to risk that injury the first year. But let's let's assume Ryan Fitzpatrick is having an average season. He has a great game, a bad game, a great game, a bad game. Not enough to like bench him immediately. But, okay, we're going to work off Fitzpatrick and put Tua in. So I'm looking at the Dolphins' schedule right now. Obviously, Fitzpatrick's the week one starter. That also means he's going to be the week two starter and most likely the week three starter. Week four versus the Seahawks, that's not a game you start a rookie quarterback in. Week five versus the 49ers, another game you don't start him in. Yeah. Um, The next game, I mean, versus the Broncos, I could see it. I don't see them starting him that early in the season. First, the Broncos, because, again, they after after the Broncos, they play the Chargers, who have a great defensive line, and I don't think they want to put Tua out against that defensive Bro. line. So the Chargers, the Rams, again, I would not play them against the Rams. So maybe where I see Tua's first start would be versus the Jets in November. Honestly, versus the Jets, I think that could be the first um, – the first game where I could see Tua starting, that would be week 10, I think. If The thing is, you're listing all these great defenses, and while that does mean that that's a defense that you don't want to put Tua against given his, his injury uh, issue, that's also, that also means those are defenses that have a good chance of making Ryan Fitzpatrick look bad. So if I were to have – if you ask me right now, place a bet on when – Tua Tungo-Vailoa plays his first NFL game, I would say he makes the start week six against the Broncos. I think that's, that's where you'll find it. Again, it, I think it's so difficult to, to predict because it's all dependent on how Ryan Fitzpatrick plays, and throughout his career, he's shown to be very unpredictable. So where do you think that, when do you think that Justin Herbert plays? Because he's another one who went top 10 out of the University of Oregon. He went number six overall to the Chargers, and he's currently sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, who's been named the week one starter. Yeah, Herbert, again, like two, he's a wild card. Um, I think that um, Tyrod Taylor is a much safer quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Fitzpatrick could have a great game. He could have a really bad game. I think Taylor, I think he was really brought in there to be, you know, a really stable not too high highs, not too low lows. Yep. Quarterback. Yeah. He, they brought him in after getting rid of Philip Rivers, who had been the quarterback there for 15-plus years. And towards the end of his career, Rivers started throwing errant interceptions, bad, bad balls everywhere. And I think um, Taylor was brought in to be the complete opposite of Rivers. He's going to be completely a game manager. He's not going to win you games. He's not going to lose you games. So, honestly, I would not be surprised if Herbert – I don't think Herbert's going to start the first half of the season at all. I don't see that happening. Yep. Um, I think Herbert's going to take some time to get used to the game. Um, and I just think the Chargers have a decent amount of talent on the roster. 
where with a game manager, they could end the first eight weeks of the season six and two, five and three, if yeah, a few games fall their way. And when you're six and two, five and three by halfway point in the season, you're playoff contenders. You don't want to start a rookie quarterback when you're True. a playoff contenders. The way I so, look at it, the way I look at it is that while in Miami, it's more about how Fitzpatrick plays than whether or not Tua is ready. I think it's the opposite in Los Angeles. You know what you're going to get from Tyrod Taylor. You're going to get a game manager who's not going to win you games or lose you games, as you said. So then it's more about where will Justin Herbert be in his development, and I don't think he'll be ready. I think I think I was lower on him than others, and I've already posted about that. I think that just in terms of where he where he is as a quarterback and as a thrower of the football right now, heading into the NFL, and especially with a shortened off season, he's brilliant. I don't doubt that he can pick up the playbook very fast, but I think if he were to be thrown in within the first half of his rookie season, I think we would see him struggle. So I do agree. I think that the Chargers are good enough to maybe go. I would say four and four, five and three with Tyrod Taylor in the first half of the season. But even then, I don't think I, – I would see I would see Herbert going in somewhere in the second half of the season only if they end up being knocked out of playing playoff contention, really. And then they want to – Yeah, I agree. That's the, that's the only way I see Herbert playing if they're out of playoff contention. I think once they reach the point of where they're knocked out of playoff contention, I do think that's when they'll put Herbert in because they're playing for nothing at that point. They're playing for draft position. Yeah, but I do think so, that Herbert will struggle as a rookie. I don't think he, he's ready – as as he's not a clean thrower of the football, he doesn't have the mechanics, the decision making. I think that those aspects of his game will really leave him exposed against NFL defenses as a rookie. So it's really in their interest to keep Taylor there as long as they can and hope that they're in playoff contention. But then again, I think we sound like we're in agreement that it it won't be until the Chargers are out of playoff contention that Justin Herbert gets to take the field as a rookie. Yeah, that would be my prediction for Herbert, and I I do think the Chargers have a shot at making the playoffs. So I would not be surprised if Herbert doesn't play until maybe week 16 week 17 if that uh, yeah I don't I don't see them making the playoffs I think Tyrod Taylor is not good enough a quarterback for that to happen so in the end somewhere in the second half of the season they'll be out of the playoff hunt Justin Herbert will come in and I think he'll have a rocky start to his career so now we should move on to running backs and I think that this is definitely intriguing there is a lot of talent coming up into the with the rookie running backs and they're all in very they're in varying uh, situations, so some of them are set to really be horses. Some of them have a have an incumbent that they, they kind of need to get rid of first. But let's look at a few. We have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think we're both in agreement that he was he was a terrific prospect, and he's got a perfect situation in Kansas City. He should be a workhorse, uh, not maybe not uh, a workhorse like like say Zeke or or Saquon Barkley, but he'll be the lead running back for sure, and I think he'll perform great. And then. A guy like J.K. Dobbins, I know you were very high on him. So how do you see that situation playing out? Because while he, he did not get into an advantageous position, if, if you want to look at it that way, in terms of playtime as a rookie, he has, he has Mark Ingram there. So how do you think that'll turn out? Um, yeah, I agree. He wasn't put in the best position um, to start off his career, obviously, with Mark Ingram in front of him. But I just think – I think Mark Ingram's getting old. Um, he was drafted, if I remember correctly, 2010-2011 – so he's he's been in the league for a while. He's going to year nine or year ten, and honestly, good for him. He's been going a while for a running back. Um, so I really think at first when Dobbins was drafted by the Ravens, I was a little disappointed because Dobbins was my number one ranked running back going um, going into the draft. So I was a little disappointed to see him go to a team where he wouldn't be the number one running back right away. Um, but the more I thought about it. Um, the more I like the situation for him, 
I think, you know, with running backs, every single touch counts. You know, every single hit counts. So I think for somebody like Dobbins, if he can ease his way into the season a little bit with Ingram as the starter and Dobbins still getting touches, maybe eight touches a game to start the season, um, I think that would be really beneficial for him just getting used to life in the NFL. Um, but I, I really think with Ingram starting to get old, um, I would not be surprised at all by the end of the season, Dobbins is the starter in Baltimore, or at least splitting 50-50 with Ingram. And I also think, as you said, Dobbins wasn't put into the best situation for him, but I really think he honestly was because the Ravens running running attack is amazing. Obviously, with Jackson, you saw the way Ingram played last year, and there's no reason to think that Dobbins won't perform the way Ingram did. Maybe I, not this year, but next year. So I, I think... I agree, but I think that Mark Ingram, while he is getting old, I think the offense will stay as prolific. And for some reason, I just I don't see him dropping off too much. And and while I don't like to make put too much value in uh, preseason depth charts, especially with rookies, J.K. Dobbins was today listed as the fourth running back on the Ravens depth chart, uh, which is really surprising to me. And I wouldn't be concerned at all if he was if he was the second. But to see him at fourth, I feel like he'll definitely he'll definitely be the second within the first two weeks. But I don't see him taking the majority of the carries by the end of the season. I, I think he stays number two. Not the number two that doesn't get any looks. But I think by the end of the season, he works into maybe a 60-40 split with Ingram. I don't see him getting the bulk of the carries like you do. But we can move on to the next running back. Jonathan Taylor, I'll go over this one quickly because this is somebody I made a post about. I think that this was a pick for the future. Marlon Mack is an impending free agent. He's been very solid. But... Paying running backs is not the way to go in the NFL. We're seeing that with how Fournette got released and got a small contract now, how Devontae Freeman doesn't even have a team. So I think they, they made this pick because they liked him and they know that Mac's a free agent. But I think for this year, Mac is going to stay the lead back. Jonathan Taylor has too many uh, fumble issues. Once he has one or two, he'll definitely be staying behind behind Mac, and I expect a 60-40 share from Mac. But now let's look at somebody like um, – Cam Akers. Cam Akers was a player that neither of us really liked, but he's in a, he's in a great situation, honestly. He fell in maybe the best situations. How do you think he'll perform his rookie year? Yeah, I agree. I think we were both lower on him than consensus was, and I think we were both surprised with how high he went in the draft, especially going over Dobbins. Yeah. Um, I think we were a little concerned with um, Akers' vision, um, but like you said, I think he was put into probably the best situation possible. Um with players like Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, who are the starters, I guess you could call them for the Rams. And with um, Sean McVay as the head coach and basically the offensive coordinator for the Rams, I think McVay is going to find ways to get whoever the starter is, get him the ball and put him in the best situations for them to succeed. And I think although we weren't super high on acres coming into the season i think we would both agree that acres is probably the best running back in that backfield yeah i, I really don't see either of the other running backs being starter level if you look at daryl henderson i there was way too much hype around him in the pre-draft process either i think a couple of years ago it was i didn't like him coming out i thought he was only a situational running back and malcolm brown is just he's a he's a backup grinder type he's not at all a, a starter so i think by default given that the draft capital they invested in him acres will be the starter now, will he perform? I think that's that's up in the air, but he'll be getting plenty of carries. So in the end, he, he won't be, I don't think he'll have a great rookie year because I just don't think he he's, he's that good of, of a prospect coming out. But I think he'll definitely end up 
maybe even uh, giving a good return on his investment just because he'll be getting the opportunity that others won't. If you take a guy like DeAndre Swift, I was, I'm really disappointed in the situation he, he's, he's found himself in because he, he got into a backfield where there's Carrion Johnson, who's, who's not going, he's not a world beater, but he's a solid running back. And, and now he's now Swift is dealing with, with a, an injury, I think maybe to his ankle. And, and he hasn't had a full practice yet. And they've gone and signed Adrian Peterson. So now it's a really crowded backfield. And I'm wondering how, how many carries will Swift even get. And I think he's, he's an extremely talented running back. I had him as my second running back behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then I had a 1.9, so just, in, just inside the first round grade for, for both of them. And I think that by the end of the year, Swift will definitely carve out a, a large role. But he faces way more competition than Akers does. And now, yeah, I agree. The final um, back, I think the final running back we're looking uh, to talk about would be AJ Dillon. So how do you how do you think that he'll perform in his first year? I think we we were both way lower on him than than where he went in the draft. I think everyone was lower than him yes. on where he went in the well, draft, other issue, than the Packers. The the issue um, was was his combine performance. That athleticism did not show up on tape. I, I don't know what happened, but it happens sometimes. You get these workout warriors, and they're just not. He doesn't have that game speed. That like, he's a very straight line athlete. And, yeah, go on and what you think he'll do, but definitely not the athlete we saw at the Combine. Yeah, I, I think Dylan's a, a running back that was born in the wrong in the wrong decade. I really think Dylan would have been a great running back back in the 70s. That's a good he's way a, to put it. He, he's a bulldozer. I mean, if you look at him, his, he's massive. His legs are massive. He's just – he's a hulk of muscle. Um, and, like, he's – I want to be honest. He was he was fun to watch at Boston College. If you like to see guys just run people over, and like that's enjoyable to watch. But his translation to the NFL game, it just it isn't there. I mean, he's not really that fast. He's not as agile as a, as he looked in the combine. Um, we both had him as day three picks, and I was shocked by where the Packers took him. I agree, especially after taking Jordan Love in round one and getting Dylan instead of a wide receiver. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Nor there. I think Dylan, um, you know, they spent a second round pick on him. They spent high capital, so he's going to get touches. And honestly, with his skill set, he's going to be a goal line back. I agree. I see him as a short, short yardage goal line back, and that that does not bode well for for Aaron Jones or or Jamal Williams in terms of their stats. But I, I do think he's the third best running back in, on that depth stripe behind them, and I think he'll definitely be limited to just short yardage, like third and one, fourth and one. And, and goal line because that that's his skill set and I think that's what he's going to be throughout his whole career in the NFL. He's just going to be a a short yardage back because that that's what he's good for. He doesn't he doesn't not have any type of uh, lateral movement ability in my opinion and on what I saw on tape. Oh, I agree, and I I definitely if I was a team I would have taken him in day three just because of his skill set of being a goal line back. I mean he's you give him the ball he's he's going to move forwards. He's massive. He's so strong, and I love him in that role. But just second round and the role that the Packers are going to seemingly try to put him in, I just I don't see him succeeding. He, he's he's not a modern NFL back, and I had a, a late fifth round grade because I think you put him at the goal line and he's and he's going to pound it in for you. But that's not someone so that's not a role that that's worth a, a day two pick in today's draft. So now we're going to move on to wide receivers because this is also an exciting. Uh, position in terms of how the how the performance rookies. I think the, there's less variance though in the situations they got in. If you look at the top guys, they're all going to be get getting the the opportunities that 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 they deserve given their talent. So how do you see like the the top few guys, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Ceedee Lamb? How do you see their rookie seasons playing out? Well, I think we'll go in the order. So Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board by the Raiders. Um, 
honestly, Ruggs is a speedster. I know we were a little lower on him than most people. Um, I think I had him as my fourth best wide receiver behind Lamb, Judy, and Justin Jefferson. Me too. But, I mean, I still had a first-round grade on him. I still think he's a great wide receiver, and I think he's going to get a lot of touches with the Raiders, I think. You know, they're going to use him as that deep threat. He's going to be a burner. Um, I heard people were um, speculating that he's going to be put into the Antonio Brown role. Um, If you even remember Brown being signed by the Raiders last year, I think Gruden had a lot of plans for him, and he never played. And I think people are talking about how they're going to put rugs in that Antonio Brown position that Gruden had. I, th- I think the issue is Tyrell Williams' injury because I think now he has to be that, that deep threat because well, when you had Tyrell Williams to line up next to him, you could put him in an Antonio Brown role. And that, But now, first of all, I think his skill set is, is better used to be a deep threat because right now speed is, is his best aspect of his game. And I think he has he's yet to work out the nuances of playing wide receiver. So I think right now, in terms of his rookie year, he'll be more of a deep threat. And then I think it's, we don't even need to talk much about Judy and Lamb. They're going to have phenomenal rookie seasons. They're going to get the touch, the, the looks, even if they're not the wide receiver ones on their teams. They're they're very talented. We both thought they were they were they were great prospects. And I, you you agree, right? That they're going to be very good as rookies. Oh, I agree. I loved. I we both loved Judy and Lamb. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think we both had them as top ten prospects. The only thing is with Judy, I would say there's a lot of wide receivers in that Broncos offense. I mean, there is in Dallas too. But I just think right off the bat, Lamb's going to be better than Gallup. But with Judy, I just think, I think he's he's obviously he's great. He's going to get touches. But there's also Cortland Sutton. They drafted KJ Hamler in the second round. Well, and they have you say that Lamb is going to be better than than Gallup, and be the wide receiver two behind Amari Cooper. But I think the same the same thing will happen with with Jerry Judy, um, uh, being behind the wide receiver two behind Sutton. Actually, I'll make a. A bold take here. I think that in both situations, it'll be more of a 1A, 1B than a wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2. I think we'll look at Cooper and Lamb being the main targets and definitely Cooper some some more looks than, than Lamb, but it won't be clear-cut 1 and 2. And I think the same thing happens in Denver with Sutton and Judy. I think we, we agree that, that Judy and, and Lamb are both that talented. And then the same thing in, in Minnesota. They are obviously Adam Thielen's the number one. We agree on that. But Justin Jefferson is going to get his looks, and he's going to he's going to perform. He's a he's a really good prospect, real reliable, move the chains wide receiver, and he, he he's explosive from the slot too. So I think we can look for, we can look forward to him. And then just looking at other wide receivers, uh, do you see any other wide receiver having a really big impact? Because a guy like Jalen Rieger or Brandon Ayuk, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, they got drafted in the, in the late first early second, but I think we agree that they their skill set was not really worth that high a pick. So do you see any of those rising to the occasion in their rookie years? Yeah, I think the one that stands out the most is honestly Rieger for the Eagles, just because the Eagles really don't have any other wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's injured for the Eagles all the time. I think Rieger, I don't think he's the best wide receiver in the world, but I mean, I just think, you know, he's going to take on that Deshaun Jackson role, even though they still have Deshaun Jackson there. I mean, he was injured last year. He played, what, one game? Yeah. So I would not be surprised if Rieger puts up a solid stat line his rookie year, not because of necessarily his talent, but because of just the situation that he's in. And he might be have to be the number one wide receiver on the Eagles team some weeks just because of injuries. No, you're right. That That's definitely true. He's he's by default going to be getting so many looks and he's a, he's an explosive player. So if he gets that many, if he gets that many targets, he's, he's bound to take a few of them and house them because he, he's just, he's an explosive receiver. And even if he doesn't have the nuances of the game down, kind of similar to, to Henry Ruggs, he's definitely going to be a big play threat. You look at somebody like Brandon Ayuk. I thought 
he was not at all worth a first round. I had even a third round grade on him. But he ended up getting in the best situation because that offense is built for run after the catch wide receivers. You look at the, that's what they're that's what they built for Jimmy Garoppolo because he does have some limitations and they have that in Debo Samuel and they have that in George Kittle. Those are two incredible wide receivers after the catch. And Brandon Ayuk, that's his best trait. So I, I, he's not going to be a star in his rookie season, but he's definitely going to make some good contributions. T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, I think they're more. They kind of they're jump ball receivers. They weren't worth the uh, first two picks in the second round, and I don't think they're gonna have a, a huge impact the rookie years. And is is there anybody beyond that that you see having having a real good impact? Maybe Denzel Mims. Yeah, I think I think Mims just because of again similar to Rieger with the Eagles, the Jets really don't have anybody good at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I mean they have what Jameson Crowder from the slot, um, Bashad Perryman as a deep threat, but I mean, I think if, if Mims really has a good camp and creates a good, um, good connection with Donald early, I would not be surprised if Mims is another one that has a solid stat line. Yeah. And one last name I'd like to mention at wide receiver, uh, Brian Edwards. I'm hearing great reports out of him from camp and that he was a wide receiver. We were both really high on. We had mid second round grades on him, even though he went mid third round and given the, that wide receiver depth chart is pretty bare after, they after the injury to Tyrell Williams, it's really Henry Ruggs and and uh, Brian Edwards are going to be the the two primary wide receivers because Hunter Renfro. I mean, he's he's sort of reliable, but he's he's not a star at all. So Brian Edwards is going to be a, a starting wide receiver in, in what should should be a decent offense. So I think he he's going to he's going to end up being a steal right from his rookie season in the third round. So now yeah, we're going to talk about offensive linemen and then defense just more generally before we close out this episode. Offensive line, do you, do you see anything, any like real notable uh, standout rookie performance from any of the guys who got drafted high? Mm, I mean, not really notable in, in a good way. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think that Andrew Thomas probably won't perform as the best tackle um, yeah. in the draft class, even though he was drafted as first tackle. Um, and I think Mackay Becton for the Jets also might struggle a little bit just translating his game to the next yeah, level. I think I think there are going to be some growing pains for this set of offensive linemen. Even the top four guys, they're going to have a pretty rocky uh, first years, especially uh, I think Andrew Thomas because of the responsibility he has to protect Daniel Jones, who's really has a big fumbling issue that he needs to correct in year two. So he's got a lot of pressure on him as a left tackle there. And Mackay Becton, he I just don't think he's, he's really ready. His pass sets are not up to par with what an offensive lineman needs to have in the NFL. And then um, I, I think beyond that, if when you look at the next year, I don't even think Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, Josh Jones, I don't even think they see the field in year one. I really think they're, they're really raw, and they, those were picks for the future. Actually, maybe Miami forces Austin Jackson onto the field, and now that would be a mistake. I don't think he's ready. Yeah, I agree, and I just want to go back to Beckton. Actually, today the Jets, I saw that they released their first depth chart. And Beckton was listed as the fir- the starting left tackle, um, and I kind of thought they would start him off at right tackle just because yeah. of he's more he's a rookie and he's not I don't think he's a a day one starter at left tackle and he's got an important job like you said as Andrew Thomas does protecting Jandon Jones Beckton does protecting Sam Donald in his third year yeah they they have they have uh, quarterbacks that are really in the spotlight and they're holding down left tackle positions. Where the rest of the line is also shaky, I think it's it does not spell for good rookie seasons for either of them. And now on on to defense, no. yeah, on to defense. We're going to talk more generally because at the end of the day, 
Uh, you do have some uh, rookie stars, but we're not going to break it down position by position. Obviously, Chase Young, he, he's on, he's on a, a bad team. The Washington football team is not a good team. But that defensive line is good with guys like Jonathan Allen and Ryan Kerrigan and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat next to him. It's a really good offensive line, and he's going to be the star. He's, he's, he's going to be off to the races to 10-plus sacks and getting rookie of the year. I, I think you can you got to agree to that, right? Oh, yeah, I think everyone would agree that Young is far and away the favorite to be defensive rookie of the year. And I, I think, you know, he was far and away the best defensive player in this draft and the best overall player in this draft, maybe besides Burrow. Yeah, and I, th- I think that the one defender I'm very intrigued to see how he, how he performs in his rookie year is Isaiah Simmons, and not because I doubt his abilities whatsoever. He's an absolutely elite uh, defender. It's just how will the Cardinals use him? I really hope they won't pigeonhole him into – into one position like I've heard that they might do that and just put him at linebacker and nowhere else and that would be an absolute waste because I think he could set the the league on fire if he were to be moved around from slot corner on one play linebacker the next blitzing the next dropping back into the coverage the next and taking a tight end on the next play because he has such a a, a vast uh, variety of abilities and on defense he can really be used as as a defensive chess piece that can light up the league and I think it would just be a shame to see him pigeonholed into into one position. Yeah, I agree. He's really a Swiss Army knife. He can rush the, pa- rush the passer one play, and then he can cover your tight end the next play just because he has the side, he has the speed. The speed. He's really got everything to be a, a great, great defensive player in this league for a long time. Yep, and then you, you look at other other guys who, who are, are going to be very solid, but maybe not stars. Some guy, A guy like Jeff Okuda, he's going to be a lockdown corner from day one. He's just doesn't, he doesn't have the, the type of flashy play that a guy like Jalen Ramsey does, so he's not going to make as many headlines, but he's going to be a lockdown corner. Derek Brown's going to be a, a great run stuffer, but he needs to develop his pass rushing ability, so that's not, he's not going to be really making the headlines either. And then I think let's, let's close off with one defender that went lower than, than you'd expect for, for to have a big rookie year. Um, I'll start it off. I'll go with Antoine Winfield. He went pick 45 to the Bucks, and I think that he's bound to make a, a really big impact for them because they have, a, they have a shaky secondary, and they're ready for the big time, obviously. They just signed Tom Brady. They're, they're in win-now mode, and it was such a crucial pick in the middle of the second round to, to take a guy who I think can really be solid versus the run and versus the pass in coverage and in the box. He can, he can kind of do it all. Very underrated player coming out. I see him having a big impact. So who do you, who do you see that went like outside the first round having a big impact in the rookie year? Yeah, I think um, one guy would be Willie Gay for the Chiefs. Yeah. I think he, he was a great, a great pick for the Chiefs. Um, and I think he, was, he had borderline day one talent. I, just, I don't think he played enough. He had some off-the-field issues that kept him off the field. Um, in his last season before he declared. And I think we, I didn't have enough tape to give him a first-round grade, but I put a really early second on him, and I would not be surprised if he hops into that Chiefs defense, who, again, will be in the big stage all the time. So I would not be surprised to see his name, see him make some big plays. He's really athletic. Yeah. Um, no. I would not be surprised if he plays really well. And someone else that um, I did want to bring up since you brought Winfield up, safeties it got my mind going a little bit Ashton Davis for the Jets yes I think he was a great pick and I also think that with Adams being traded to the Seahawks I think we could see him in a starter role and I think he may outperform his draft position I agree I agree a few a few other names Cam Dantzler I think he can he can step into a starting corner job with the Vikings 
but he was he was really a steal back there. Xavier McKinney is going to be a tone setter for uh, for the Giants right from day one. That was a great pick. So those are kind of some guys outside of the the, the elite group. Like you're, we're going to see Young and Simmons play incredible the rookie year, and those are some other guys on defense that are going to really be standouts right from the rookie year and and make a big impact for the team, especially when you look at guys like Winfield and and Gay who are on Super Bowl contenders and who are definitely pieces that that strengthen those units. So I think that that's it for today and it's going to be a very exciting and an interesting NFL season and while it's definitely going to be it, we have to note that it's going to be more difficult for rookies to to be up to speed this year and we're going to be seeing less of a of a general rookie impact this year because of the shortened off season. I think that obliges for it, but we'll, we're hoping that they can they can still and that's really going to it's going to set apart which ones are ready and which ones aren't is what it's going to do. So we're excited to, to, to watch the NFL and see how the rookies perform. And we thought we'd give you this preview so that you could get familiar with the, these rookies coming in. So for next time, see you guys.